Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a basic text study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our basic text, Narcotics Anonymous. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the basic text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We're going to have introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Phil Attic. My clean date is 4-1995. Um, I live in Pitt, Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, my home group is uh, Men in Recovery in Pittsburgh at the uh, Anala Recovery uh, Center. Hey, I'm Jessica. Um, I'm from Berea, Kentucky, and we're part of the Kentucky Survivors Area. My clean date is December 1st, 2015, and my home group is NA as such in Nicholasville, Kentucky. We meet Monday nights at 7. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian B. I am an addict. Uh, my clean date is 11-18-2019. Uh, I'm a member of the WE area of Narcotics Anonymous. Anonymous. My home group is the Sunday morning literature meeting of NA. Uh, come down and see us sometime. We'd love to have you. Hey, I'm Edgar. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is March 9th, 2015. I am from the capital area of NA in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey family, my name is Allison C. I'm an addict. Um, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm in the Bayou Recovery Area. My clean date is April 13th, 2010. Thanks. Hi everybody, my name is Eva P. from uh, Salem, Oregon. My clean date is 610 2000 my area is the Mid-Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is Live for Today, and uh, it's on Wednesday nights at 7.30 at Westminster Church. Come and find me. I would love to meet you. Hi, my name's Paul. I'm an addict. Uh, I got clean in New Orleans, Louisiana. I attend meetings in New Orleans and the Pensacola area. Uh, my home group is the Open Mind Group that meets on Monday nights at 7.30. Uh, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, and uh, if you're on a relapse, come back to the fellowship. We need you. Hi, everybody. My name is Donna. I'm an addict. I live in Eugene, Oregon. My clean date is Thanksgiving, 1985. My home uh, area is Lane County area of Narcotics Anonymous. We have lots of great meetings out here. Come on out and see us. Happy to be here. I'm an addict. My name is Douglas L. My clean date is March 12, 2000 got clean in southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, really excited that you're tuning in. I suggest that you get your basic text, a highlighter, and a pen or pencil. And uh, here we go. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the basic text study um, to be aired on the Anonymous podcast. We're in episode 11. We're going to begin on page 23 with step two. And it reads... Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The second step is necessary if we expect to achieve ongoing recovery. 
The first step leaves us with the need to believe in something that can help us with our powerlessness, uselessness, and helplessness. The first step has left a vacuum in our lives. We need to find something to fill that void. This is the purpose of the second step. Some of us didn't need to, didn't take this step seriously at first. We passed over it with a minimum of concern, only to find the next steps would not work until we worked step two. Even when we admitted that we needed help with our drug problem, many of us would not admit the need for faith and sanity. So we'll stop right there and open it up for comments. Anybody like to share? Phil Attic, yeah. Um, I I really um, like that. Um, the first step um, has left a vacuum um, in our lives and, and us just finishing up um, step one in basic text, but um and um and then it's it goes on to say that this is the purpose of the second step. And um uh I, I just had to look up the word vacuum because you know I'm just thinking you know uh, I don't know what I thought I think I think it's like like sucking up some dust and, and this and that I guess like like a vacuum cleaner but but the word vacuum um, uh, it's the space uh, in time devoid of matter a gap left uh, archer of someone something. Uh, uh, formally playing a significant part in a situation or activity. And then the word uh, devoid is, is lacking in, um, and with that. And um, I sort of like looked at that as, as a minimal concern because of, of leaving the void. And the only thing I could think of like from the first step of us uh, getting, getting clean, uh, now um, I'm, I'm empty, you know? And then uh, uh, right before uh, Doug read that, it, it talks about to help us with our uh, powerlessness, uselessness, and helplessness. Um, that's, that's huge. That's a huge thing. Those are huge things and principles and... Um, uh, and qualities that, that need to be uh, addressed. And uh, that's all I have. Thanks, Phil. We got Don and then Edgar. Hey, everyone. So um, I was thinking back to my first introduction of the steps. And the first things I could relate to were um, unmanageability. And the second thing I could relate to was insanity, right? Because that's kind of how I defined my life. And uh, um, you know, many of us, and you're going to hear this in meetings all the time, and those of us here who uh, have been around for a while have heard it over and over again, is like, um, there, we talk about a restoration to sanity, and I couldn't define when the last time was I was sane. I didn't know, have any idea what I was going to be restored to, what that was going to look like. You know, my life had always been so chaotic. So um, being promised that, uh, that by working these steps, that I could have something resembling sanity, that I could have something that um, would make the unmanageability of my life more manageable. Those were big promises. And that all I had to do was um, not use, keep coming back and work the steps. That's all for me. Thanks, Donna. Edgar? 
So I was just thinking about the last sentence we read about even when we admitted we needed help with our drug problem, many of us would not admit the need for faith and sanity. Um, and that's, you know, in regards of what it was saying about some of us not taking this step seriously at first. And, you know, <clears throat> in my experience, like uh, the first couple of years I came in and out of the rooms, like this is exactly what I did, right? I didn't take it seriously. I didn't think I, I needed to believe in anything, anything that said the word God and disregard and say, I don't have to worry about that. It's not my problem. I'm not religious, all this stuff. And the sanity piece, it's like, uh, you know, I was really good at just saying that I understood that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, when I got clean this last time, my sponsor, who had been my sponsor for three years, on and off, every time I would come in, he said, the first thing you're going to do is stop telling me that you know, right? Because you always tell me you know shit. And obviously, you keep using, so you don't. So, you know, it's like, that's when it came clear, like, you know, I would not admit to my need for sanity because I just kept doing the same shit over and over again, thinking I knew better. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just something that uh, I experienced on and off every time we'll try to get clean um and I remember the difference the shift in difference this time it's like I stopped telling people that I knew I stopped acting like I knew something and you know was more open-minded to okay this doesn't have to do with religion this is this doesn't have to do with any of that stuff that I believed in the past this is just about like what what is it that makes me act more sane like i kept it real simple right and like in that moment it was just like my sponsor my network right like that was pretty direct for me so anyways i just it just made me think of that like shift i had from every other time i try to get clean and uh this last time getting clean and you know how how big of a difference that made for me so Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Edgar. Yeah, I had a problem too with um, with the issue of being restored. And so if I look at sanity, it's kind of being the the ability to think and behave in a, a normal. Now I know the word, you know, the word like normal has, you know, it depends on how you can approach that. But let's just say like a sound thought, right? Sound behavior, rational, logical, and not maybe like self logic or self-rational but you know just just kind of like this acceptable behavior acceptable thought you know if that's sanity i had to i had to be okay with um almost substituting you know uh, the word restore or maybe amending it just a little bit so i can understand it more of instead of restore maybe being built or made because i i, I take a look back at my life and i don't know man i i, I don't know if i if I ever felt like I had some, some decent or normal type of thinking or behavior, you know, I really felt flawed even before I started using. And so, so, and, and once, once I started looking at that restore as being like, okay, built or made, then I could get down with it. It's like, yep. Yeah, that, that, that's good. And, um, and so the need for faith and the need for sanity, that faith is that, is that total, that belief, that total trust in something or, or, or someone, um, and then the insanity. So it's like, Hey, 
you know, before I can progress in this program with the steps, right, I need, I need to come to terms with those things. I need to have this complete faith or this complete belief in someone or something and have to admit this, this need that I need, I need to, to be able to think in, in somewhat and behave in somewhat normal fashion. And so, so what that actually looks like is, you know, how I work the step two and the, and the guys I work with is it's, it's again, just like step one is two paragraphs, right? We take it to pen to paper and that first paragraph is, is what, what does a sane life look like? And it's one paragraph, right? We write it down because we, I, I feel it's it's important to be able to see, hey, what is logical and what's rational? What what does my life look like in a sane perspective? And that's the first paragraph. And then the second paragraph I have the guys write is is um do I believe that there's a power greater than myself that can architect that, that can allow me to live out that first paragraph. And and that's the the come to believe part. And the answer is either yes or no. And then we write about a paragraph about that. Um, and so I just wanted to share that that's the application part um, from how I see it. Anybody else want to comment on those, on those paragraphs? Paul, would you be willing to read? Uh, we yes. have a disease uh, right. and then the next two paragraphs. Sure. Uh, we have a disease, progressive, incurable and fatal. One way or another, we went out and bought our destruction on the time payment plan. All of us from the junkie snatching purses to the sweet little old lady hitting two or three doctors for legal, legal prescriptions have one thing in common. We seek our destruction a bag at a time, a few pills at a time, or a bottle at a time until we die. This is at least part of the insanity of addiction. The price may seem higher for the addict who prostitutes for a fix than it is for the addict who merely lies to a doctor. Ultimately, both pay for their disease with their lives. Insanity is repeating the same mistake and expecting different results. Many of us realize that when we get to the program that we have gone back time and again to using, even though we knew that we were destroying our lives. Insanity is using drugs day after day, knowing that only physical and mental destruction comes when we use. The most obvious insanity of the disease of addiction is the obsession to use drugs. And, and that's, that's for me is the sanity is how obsessive and compulsive is my life. And that's the, that's the key, you know what I mean? And even without drugs, I can still be obsessed and compulsed, but I, it's nothing like it was. I think the second step is a profound, you know, I agree with Edgar, the ability to say, I don't know is monumental for an addict because addicts know everything about everything. And we are so afraid to admit if we don't. And um, this coming to believe is to that there's something outside of myself that may have the answers. Something outside of myself doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a deity. It can be the group. It can be my sponsor. It can be my support group. All of those things, and it can also be a deity as well. I'll tell you what. It I, I, just a little story about the second step. I was sponsoring a guy. We got to the place, uh, the subsection on uh, higher power in the step working guide. And it was, what characteristics does your higher power not have 
And then the next question is what characteristics does your higher power have? And it became this kind of argumentative theological discussion. Like he wasn't gonna put up with, you know, uh, this book telling him what his higher power didn't have because his higher power had everything. And I shut the book and I said, we're not gonna go any further right now. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, this is not a theological discussion. This is a discussion about the nature of addiction. And um, I shut it down. And I was just so afraid. I was like, I, you know how when you, you, you're in sponsorship, sometimes you do things and you go, oh my God, I hope I've, I hope I've done this right. You know, I, I hope I've made the right move. And, um, and I shut it down and he didn't call me for a couple of days and I was just really sad. I was really sad. I was like, oh, I hope I haven't. And about, about three or four days later, he said, I'm ready to, to get back to it. He said, I, I think I understand. This is, not a, this is not a right or wrong discussion. This is not, this is about me and what I'm willing to do to have some kind of peace in my life. And I said, yes, that's it. This is not about what God is. This is about what are you gonna do? And so I think that's why it gets off track. You know, in the first couple of paragraphs, you know, the, some people pass over this with the minimum of, you know, effort because we don't wanna have that discussion. We don't wanna talk about all that stuff. And the thing is, that's not what this step is about. It's not about a higher power. It's about me. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Anybody else have any comments on those paragraphs? Phil? And then Jess? A uh, whole bunch of uh, good stuff in there that uh, that uh, really um, grabbed me. But, uh, you know, we have a disease that uh, is progr progressive, uh, incurable, and uh, fatal. But uh, I do, do like how it says that uh, we all went out and bought our destruction on a time payment plan and um i can definitely um relate to that but um there's just so much um relief uh how step two uh described uh how it describes insanity and in, uh in our fellowship and it's saying it says it's repeating the same mistakes and expecting a different result. Um, and um, that's such a, re that has been such a relief to me being in Narcotics Anonymous because before um, I got here, uh, I have a lot of mental illness uh, in my family and, and uh, disease of addiction, um, uh, alcoholism, drug, I mean, you, you, you know, the whole nine is like in my family and it, it runs rampant, you know, and, um, um, you know, well, just growing up as a child and this and that and so much mental illness and things, you know, people's crazy, oh, they're, they're nuts, they're insane and this and that. But um, Narcotics Anonymous uh, definitely uh, buffers it down for me, knowing that uh, how it talks about insanity, re repeating the, the, those same uh, mistakes. Uh, uh, I do like... Um, uh, the thing, the thing too, right before we got to that, how, how it ended, 
many of us would not admit the need for for faith and sanity. Sanity now. Um, I'm 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 looking also at, at step two. Uh, as long uh, as I admit uh, I need a power greater than me, I can have some kind of faith and I can have um, sanity. Uh, we talked about that admission in um, previous uh, discussions uh, uh, with it. So uh, now I'm seeing that admission again, that entering in with something. And uh, as long as I have admission, I have a way in, I have a ticket. Um, last but not least, ultimately both paid uh, for the disease uh, with their lives. See, so all the stuff it was talking about, uh, the, uh, the junkie snatching purse, the prostitution, this and that, uh, uh, the, the whole nine in uh, active uh, drug addiction, uh, so much insanity you know that um i can relate to with with all of that and and the bottom line uh uh that oh repeating those same mistakes over and over again uh i was dying uh, my life was on that time payment plan of destruction that's all i have thanks phil come on in jess um so when I first came in, um, the disease really, I mean, it still does, but it was like, it was really bad in the beginning, wanted me to, you know, isolate myself and um, kind of really only focus on the differences rather than like the similarities and stuff. And, and uh, it's like that, that thing that Phil was just talking about, like the addict who prostitutes for a fix versus like the old lady who just lies to a doctor, like, I was the, the prostitute who was like shooting up behind garbage cans and gas stations. Like, so I came in thinking like, man, I was like too far gone. Like this, there's no way, you know? Um, and then through like staying around and, and working on these steps, like um, that's part of like the sanity restoration for me is that like this will work for me. Um, and, and this step, for me, I kind of think about it like the the steps could restore me to sanity. So it's just like a commitment to keep working the steps is kind of how I see this this stuff for me. Um, <clears throat> and my sponsor says this thing like so so some of the the spiritual principles in here that I try to practice like when I think about the step are like trust, uh, faith, you know, and and a, and a lot of people come in and they're like, oh, well, I have trust issues. I can't trust people. And my sponsor will say like, you don't have trust issues. You would trust a random man to go get your drugs, to leave your leave with your money and go get your drugs. And you trusted he was going to come back a complete stranger. You know, wrote this guy on Facebook. Hey, can you get something? Yeah. Okay. You don't have trust issues. And I always thought that that was like, it's really funny um, because like, the line after ultimately both pay for their disease with their lives. And I think like I had started this and I lost my train of thought somewhere in there. So I'm sorry, but like the point is that, that it is all inclusive and we do have the same endpoint. And so like, for me, the step is just a commitment to like, keep showing up and keep working to get restored to, to sanity. Thanks Jess. Come on in Donna. 
have a lot to say about this step. So uh, this piece where it talks about the junkie versus the little old lady. When I read that the first time, so you remember I came in through treatment and a lot of AA stuff and and I uh, and all that was fine and good, but I really couldn't relate. It really wasn't about me. And I started reading this book and like this kind of, this is the kind of stuff that jumped out at me, right? The, this kind of writing that said, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, you belong here because eventually it's going to take us all to the same place, jails, institutions, sterilization, and death, right? And it, and it just didn't matter that I was 24 years old, right? It didn't, it, that didn't matter. And um, it didn't matter what I had to do to get my drugs, you know, it just didn't matter, you know, and um, it, it put me on the same playing field as the guys who were you know, junkie bikers, you know, or, uh, or the people who came in still, you know, driving a BMW and wearing nice clothes. We were on the same playing field. And that was really important to me that um, equality. Um, I didn't believe it, but it was in the book, right? The other, uh, the other piece was about, um, uh, and the other guys talked about it a little bit about it was not safe to be wrong when I was a child. Not knowing the answer uh, was could result in horrible consequences, right? So I became a pathological liar as a response to that and always thought I had to know the answers to everything. And, um, um, and so the idea of admitting to mistakes, admitting that I did things wrong, um, was terrifying and um, for lots of reasons, I, you know, ego and all that kind of stuff too, but because it was just clearly not safe to do so. What a really important uh, thing happened to me is that when I realized, when I really believed that insanity was doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results, right? Wanting things to be different, but doing them the same, that was crazy, right? That maybe sanity because i didn't have any idea what sanity looked like maybe sanity meant doing something different not knowing what the outcome was going to be but just trying to do something different than i had done every single time you know and that maybe that could look like sanity and maybe i would get it right and maybe it would be wrong but it would be different than what i was doing time after time after time after time using relationships children money drugs i mean every bit of all of that. Um, and then um, seemed like there was something else I was going to say, but maybe it was further on in the chapter. So that's enough. All right. Thanks, Donna. Hey, Brian, can you read the next three paragraphs um, beginning with ask yourself and then we'll finish with we find the help we need? Sure. <clears throat> Ask yourself this question. Do I believe it would be insane to walk up to someone and say, may I please have a heart attack or a fatal accident? If you can agree that this would be an insane thing, you should have no problem with the second step. In this program, the first thing we do is stop using drugs. At this point, we begin to feel the pain of living without drugs or anything to replace them. The pain forces us to seek a power greater than ourselves that can relieve our obsession to use. The process of coming to believe is similar for most addicts. 
Most of us lack the working relationship with the higher power. We begin to, to, to develop this relationship by simply admitting to the possibility of a power greater than ourselves. Most of us have no trouble admitting that addiction had become a destructive force in our lives. Our best efforts resulted in even greater destruction and despair. At some point, we realized that we needed the help of some power greater than our addiction. Our understanding of a higher power is up to us. No one is going to decide for us. We can call it the group, the program, or we can call it God. The only suggested guidelines that this power be loving, caring, and greater than ourselves. We don't have to be religious to accept this idea. The point is that we open our minds to believe. We, we may have difficulty with this, but by keeping an open mind, sooner or later, we find the help that we need. Thanks, Brian. Anybody want to share on those paragraphs? Go ahead, Paul. So there's the word open-minded. And um, from, you know, when I first started working steps, the how, honest, how it works, right? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I was told that this would be a waltz, one, two, three. Uh, and it would repeat four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And so this is the first, my first look at open-mindedness. And that this coming to believe that something greater than me was going to help me with my obsessive compulsive nature. And it was that simple. And, um, and I didn't know, I didn't need to know it. I didn't know how to, I didn't look, we, we don't even have to define it yet. We, that's in the third step that there's some, uh, as we understood him, that kind of thing is not there. I don't have to have any of that to work the second step. All I have to do is have a belief and open my mind to that belief. And that was, that was an incredible jump there. And, and, and the other word that came up was hope that there was something that could help me with this I, you know, I knew that crawling across the floor, stealing money out of my grandmother's purse was not good. I knew that. I knew that spending the rent on dope was not good. I knew that blood running down my arms from abscesses was not good, but I did not know how to stop it. I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. And that was the frustrating thing. And, and here's the thing. It is not through how I think that it's going to be solved. I think there's the, the word believe moves it from the head down to the heart. A and, you know, it is my nature to think about the steps. And it is, it has been my experience that to feel the steps is much more important to internalize that. And that that process is in my core, not up in my head, because I can think about steps all day long. But if but belief is a movement from up here to down here to in my chest, just the physicality of it. But I believe in something at my core, not in my head. And so, um, you know, step work seemed like a homework. Sometimes it felt like I was trying to pass a test. And that's not what this is. I told the guy last night in a meeting, he says, I, I'm real nervous. I, I, I don't write well. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really literate. I, I don't have a lot of, you know, skills with this. I said, it doesn't matter. 
just get something down and we're gonna talk about whatever you get down on that piece of paper. And this is not a test and I'm not grading you and there's not a, wrong, there's not a right or a wrong way to do it. Everybody can do this. Everybody can. And he, you could just see his shoulders came down. The whole tenseness about this process is to just let that go. This is hopeful and this is, transformative and everybody can get it. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Edgar? Yeah, so I was just thinking about, you know, this in the first, second paragraph we read talks about the first thing we do is stop using drugs. At this point, we begin to feel the pain of living without drugs or anything to replace them. The pain forces us to seek a power greater than ourselves. It can relieve our obsession to use. And I don't know, that was an important thing to point out when I first got clean for myself, because this also doesn't say that, you know, I just get clean. I don't get perfect. Right. And it doesn't mean that I seek out that higher power in the right ways in the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, earlier in the chapter, it talks about that vacuum right? Like there's a void to fill. And when I first got clean, I, you know, my immediate response was not, oh, let's fill this void with spiritual principles. Like that was not what I was thinking about at the time. Um, whether it was, you know, a relationship or food or money or, you know, exercising till my body was falling apart and I couldn't breathe. And like just taking it over the top because I just needed something to make me feel better. Like I, I did not care what it was. I just needed to feel better and I did not want it to be drugs, right? And it's important to point out for me, um, and, and you know, I think there's some value in saying this that like in my experience, making those mistakes are the same things that later on was like, okay, I cannot do that again like filling this void with this shit that it's not tangible. It's not going to fix me. Right. And, you know, I made my mistakes and I would call my sponsor and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Cause you know, I did this, but now I feel guilty about doing this and I don't feel any better. And then he's like, well, Edgar, you know, uh, you know, you got to fill that void with recovery and going to meetings and talking about it and spiritual principles and like all this positive stuff that I've been trying to tell you but you're not listening. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm just hard headed like that. And I need to learn by doing it, fucking up and then coming back and being like, Oh, Hey, uh, so I did this and I know you told me not to, but I did it anyways. And like, I don't feel good about it anymore. Um, so, you know, that it's just important to point out that I can seek out a power greater than myself, that it's not positive. Right. It might feel good in the short term, but you know, if, if I'm looking at it that way, like these things that I can abuse to make myself feel better are just like the drugs, right? I abuse those things to make me feel better and they are not positive. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, that just kind of brings me to this la last little piece I wanted to uh, point out about like our higher power. We can call it the group, the program, we can call it God, right? And like I said earlier, every time I would get clean, I would look at step two and three and 
11 and it would talk about God. And I was like, you know what? I want none of that. And, uh, you know, when I, when I got clean this time and my sponsor said, your higher power can be group conscience. It can be the meetings. It can be the basic text. Um, you know, I was able to hold on to that before I could really develop my own understanding, right? Like I was able to say, you know what, it's been five, six months. I don't know how long I had clean when I was on my second step, but it's been a couple months. And every time I call my sponsor and call my network before I make a decision, I make a way better decision than when I don't call them and go make that decision. And like, it was easy to see that like that collective understanding and that collective knowledge was a lot better than my own. Right. And that's just what I hung on to, man. And, you know, when my sponsor told me this in the beginning, it was just really helpful for me because I did struggle with the God aspect of things. But at this point I was just so willing and I think I was more open-minded then than I am today sometimes, but I was just open-minded enough to listen and, and to really just whatever you say, I'll believe you. Um, so anyways, that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks, Edgar. I want to make this point too here. It says, or we can call it God. And I think sometimes, you know, in, in, in meetings and then in the fellowship, you know, kind of hanging out at the restaurant afterwards or whatever, what I've noticed is, and even myself, um, I kind of shy away from, uh, from saying God. And I don't know if, I don't know how, um, I don't know, I don't know where that, where that fits. And I, and I, and I understand the perspective of saying, Hey, all right, we have an inclusive fellowship. And so let's, let's use the analogy. We all, you know, that we default to the analogy of, Hey, I can use this doorknob as a higher power, right? We hear that, you know, that's kind of like on one extreme, and I, and I don't know when and I don't know why, right, saying, hey, look, you know, the higher power that, that I have is called God. And, and, and allow me to talk about this, because what we see here, what we're about to read is talking about we're to identify these what we would consider coincidences as miracles. And once we start identifying those, then then we have this we have this acceptance of, hey, wow, there is this power greater than me that, that's architect these things in my life. And then that transition from the mind to the heart, that becomes trust, right? And we're going to read this in the next couple of paragraphs, but, and, 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 I'm, I, and maybe this isn't a question, you know, to, to discuss now, but I, I think about this, like, am, am I doing a disservice by shying away from just talking about who my higher power is and, 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 how, and how I relate to that? Because I think there's room, right? I think there's room in NA for somebody saying, hey, look, man, th that doorknob is my higher power. The basic text is my higher power. The group's my higher power. Or the deity that I refer to as God is my higher power. And I think there's room, in, and I've, I've found myself over the last few years really going to the other extreme of saying, shit, you know what? I'm, I better not just say this. I'll just, I'll just stay quiet. And, what, and, and I don't know what motivates that inside me, right? You know, I don't, I don't know where that is, but it but it's kind of, you know, going through this slow read with you folk, it's a, I mean, or we can call it God. So, so, so those are my thoughts. Paul, jump on in. Yeah, I, I have, I struggle with it too. And as a, um, as a gay man, I have 
been on the receiving end. I know it's hard to believe that I'm gay. Um, I've been on the receiving end of God as a cudgel to beat the shit out of people. And so I am overly sensitive to proselytizing kind of, you need to believe like I do kind of thing. And, and we can get that sometimes in our meetings. There's, you know, there can be that kind of, I'm right and you're wrong. And the second step is not ever about being right or wrong. And it's never about hurting others with the concept of a higher power. Having said that, religion was not a painful place for me. Church wasn't a bad place. I didn't get beat up in church. I got beat up after church on the playground at the school. I went to a Catholic school. Church wasn't the problem. It was outside with the kids on the playground beating the shit out of me. So, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not God that's the problem. <laughs> it's us humans who use God to further our own homophobia, racism, all kinds of other stuff that we use under the name of God. And you know, most of the wars and the fighting and all of that has, is over God. And that's what I think is off-putting to a lot of people. But just like my sponsee, I don't wanna get into a discussion of that. Because <laughs> the second step is not about God. It's about my belief that something can help me with this. Thanks. Thanks, my brother. Jessica and then Donna. Yeah, so I'm not sure where like this memory is coming from, but I feel like at, at some point, like that in, in a meeting somewhere, um, somebody was talking about like discussing your views on God was an outside issue. Um, and I'm not sure like how I can connect with that now. Like I just talked about like, you know, when I said the second step was like the power greater than ourselves, I, I threw the steps in there and and for me, it's something that's kind of interchangeable. And I'm not sure why, like, that's that's coming to me um, right now. And I don't know that anybody really believes the doorknob story. Um, I don't know, but that's all I have. Thanks. Donna? Um, I don't know where, where how long you guys have been clean when you... Uh, really came face to face with uh, that the core of my disease was self-obsession. You know, I was the center of the universe. <clears throat> and uh, um, so uh, when I was in treatment, I had to go to court for a DUI I had. So one of the counselors took me to court and on the way back, we were driving down the beach. And so we pulled over and watched the tide go in. And this counselor just started talking to me about how there was nothing I could do to change the tide. Like there wasn't one grain of sand that I had created. There was nothing I could do to change the tide. If the water comes over the waterfall, but like, like, and so I got this idea, not only that had I had become so self-obsessed that the whole universe revolved around me and my thinking and my thoughts in positive and negative ways. Um, uh, but that I thought that there was no power greater than me and, um, and my thought and my will. 
And so I came to realize, and, and this step really doesn't ask us to make a, a decision. It asks us to open our mind to consider that we're not the center of the universe, that perhaps there's something out there that can care for us. That, um, and what I came to understand is that there was not only a power greater than myself, there were many, many, many powers greater than myself, including that water running over the, you know, gravity, you know, coming over the edge of the, of the waterfall. And um, I think where the language about, um, you know, uh, using a neutral language such as a higher power versus God comes in is not wanting anything that we say or do to be a reason that somebody walks out of the room. You know, we don't all, we don't have as much power maybe as we think we do with that stuff, but we know that people have used religion to hurt many, many, many people. And many of them are in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. So, you know, trying to separate that a little bit and trying to give just a neutral place for people to come is like, we think there are higher powers. You're going to need one. We're going to talk about that at some point. You can call it whatever you want to. Some of us call it God, you know, and, um, and so that's what I, that's what I think that's all about. I don't think we have to be afraid. I think, you know, what I see a lot of my friends do that are pretty fairly fundamental and churchgoers and stuff like that. They're like, and I have a real strong belief in a very specific higher power. And if you want to know what that is, come find me after the meeting and we'll have a talk, you know, but it really, that kind of, that kind of stuff really isn't welcome in meetings for very specific reasons. Not that you can't call your higher power God, but that we don't, we don't talk a lot about what that is because we don't want to, we don't want to be the reason somebody turns around and walks out of the room. Thanks. Thanks, Donna. I think a thought, and, and, and that's really good. And I think that's the inner dialogue that I have is, um, is would that be a cause of running someone out and then it's balanced and this is just for me right this internal dialogue i have is that this thing that would keep somebody in the rooms too and i have that dialogue there because i think the 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 second step you know when we focus on hey okay we're opening our mind to this higher power we're opening our mind that's that's a part of the that's a part of the second step but you know it if it reads that could restore us to sanity that so i have this belief in a higher power sure more power more powerful than me okay but that could change my thought and behavior right that's the restore to sanity that's the change in thought and behavior and so it's it's like i look at that as like with the follow-up piece being okay there is this there's this power it's a loving caring kind right but that can change my behavior that could change my thought there and so but this is great. I, I love this stuff. I love being able to to dig into these things. And if we're looking at it differently, I think that's all the, uh, like I said, and, and I think we're all collectively, we understand this NA is big enough to house all of us. And that's really cool. That's it. That's really cool. All right, folks. Uh, let's do, Jess, can you finish reading the um, step two? Sure. We talked and listened to others. We saw other people recovering and they told us what was working for them we began to see evidence of some power that could not be fully explained. Confronted with this evidence, we began to accept the existence of a power greater than ourselves. We can use this power long before we understand it. As we see coincidences and miracles happening in our lives, acceptance becomes trust. We grow to feel comfortable with our higher power as a source of strength. As we learn to trust this power, 
we begin to overcome our fear of life. The process of coming to believe restores us to sanity. The strength to move into action comes from this belief. We need to accept this step to start on the road to recovery. When our belief has grown, we are ready for step three. Go ahead, Paul. I, you know, I, I just thinking about my journey, and I want to be dismissive of this period, but I, but I don't want to be. I, I think it was crucial. The second step opened me up to try a whole bunch of stuff. I, I flew to Japan. I wanted to go to Kamakura, to the great Buddha. I was doing Shinto shrines and, and putting, you know, burning stuff. I was, I was living in a Benedictine monastery. I did, the, I did a lot of new age stuff. I paid the $500 to do the S training. I did, you know, Werner Erhard back in the eighties. I did, you know, I did uh, rebirthing. I, you know, I was doing uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, traveling to Rome audience with the Pope. I'm doing all this stuff. And it all just kind of returned me back to where I was. But that journey is important. And if you this is the first time you're looking at the second step, go on that journey, try everything, do everything, read everything, and it will confuse the shit out of you. And you'll be like, Oh, my God, what have I done? Why have I opened this can of worms? And it's a great can of worms to open because I didn't get high. I was doing all of this stuff, trying to find and pull and seek and all of that stuff. And I didn't get high. And that was good. You know, that was the, the journey was the thing. And that's what I kind of learned is it all comes back to me and what's my practice and nothing's right or wrong. It's just me asking questions and getting answers and picking. And they talk about somewhere in, the, in our readings about many of us have an eclectic approach to spirituality. And that's what it afforded me was I learned from all of these different cultures. And that was, that was important for me because if I know exactly everything, I'm shot. So, thanks. Thanks, Paul. Phil, jump on in. Oh wow, um, wow that that was deep. Uh, and I uh, I do want to expound on. Uh, we begin to see evidence of some power that could not be fully explained. And um, I remember uh, in my early recovery, uh, and uh, I always say that my. Uh, coming to believe process was way ahead of my uh, surrendering process because uh, once I stopped using drugs, uh, my spirit was wakening up. And uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, I could, I could see like bees on flowers and um, uh, ducks on the water and grasshoppers and squirrels and and um, um, it was just just my spirit wakening up. But the insanity part, uh, it, it, uh, which is was talk talks about through step two of that uh, obsession and um, to use and things like that. Uh, uh, my spirit was wakening up, but the evidence, okay, 
uh, there's a higher power. There's something working in my life that is waking up my spirit. But the nutty thing was I was planning on using again. It's crazy with all that goodness that was happening, uh, that evidence that was happening that was still that crazy part. I was planning on doing it some way, some shape, some form. I want to do this thing again. That's all I have. Thanks, Phil. Anybody else have some comments? Edgar? So uh, right here in the first part we read, uh, talks about we saw their people recovering. They told us what was working for them. We began to see evidence of some power that could not be fully explained. Um, and I think for me, as somebody who had been in and out of the rooms for a while, when I got clean, that was kind of the only thing I could hang on to. It was the fact that I would see these people that I had seen for three or four years that I'd known by the time I got clean this last time that stayed clean and were doing this shit that they were telling me for years, right? That I never tried, but they were telling me to do it. And uh, I don't know, man, like that was that in combination with the fact that I saw my higher power initially as like my sponsor and my network, right? Those were the same people that had stayed clean for years while I kept going back out and using. And it was like, that was just something that I could hang on to. Um, and I think it's out of the, on the step working guide, there's a, there's a little paragraph that talks about our desperation and the first step turns to hope in the second step or something like that. I can't tell you word for word. But when I read that, I remember like that was so profound to me. Cause it's like, I'm at a step now where it's like, I've been so desperate. I'm trying to fill this void. All this stuff is going on. And the only thing I could hang on to was that this shit had worked for the people that were telling me, Hey, you should probably go to a meeting every day. You should probably call me. You should probably do this stuff. Right. And that's all I really had. Like I didn't have experience actually staying clean. I, I couldn't look back and say, well, this worked last time. I didn't. So I had to rely on them to, you know, to just like essentially their experience to carry me through this step, I guess. Um, and the last thing I'll say is this part about coincidences and miracles. I can't say that word Qu coincidences. Coincidence. I don't know. But, you know, like it was also important for me to understand that these miracles right and, and i think i've said it before but they don't have to be like amazing things right they don't have to be this this light shining from the sky and i'm levitating because i because it's a fucking miracle happening like it could just be that i realized one day at 10 p.m that i didn't think about using all day for the first time in years right like it could be real simple and I need to remember that because even today, right? Like yesterday, I've had a shit week for two weeks, but yesterday I was real fucking happy and everybody around me could tell. And they were like, damn, what's wrong with you? And, and I was like, 
you know, at night I was just like, damn, dude, I had a good day. Like, It's been a while, but I had a good day. And like, you know, in a sense, that's kind of a miracle. Um, but anyways, I'm just, I'm just saying that that was important for me to understand in the beginning, because my expectations of what a miracle was and what people would tell me miracles were, were like godly expectations. Um, so I had to kind of just like get more centered on that. Anyways, that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks, Edgar. Our folks, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the part where it talks about coincidence and miracles as well. Like, if you look at one of the definitions of a miracle in the dictionary, it says such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God. So, like, how I can relate that to my recovery is like, wow, like, it's just a miracle to be on this podcast sitting here talking to you guys clean, like for all of us to be clean, you know, because for me personally, like, my whole life was was based, you know, on addiction and, and where I could get the next one. And like, in, in a few hours here, I'll be, I'll be clean for one whole calendar year, like one full year. And like, what a miracle that has been. And like, I believe that, you know, the God that I understand has put the right people in my path for a reason to like show me the way to be like the guiding light to say like, this is what's worked for us. Now, if you do what we did, like you can have this same way of life too. And like, that's a beautiful thing, man. And like, just thinking about the second step in general, like, I think one of the beautiful things about the program is like, it doesn't matter what, you know, what age you are, what race you are, what religious background you come from, like NA is available to us all, you know, as long as you're willing to surrender and, uh, you know, believe that there's something out there that's greater than you, like you can get a day clean, you can get clean and stay clean, as long as you do, you know, what's suggested, and that's not pick up, go to a meeting, you know, have a sponsor, work the steps, you know, it's, it's pretty simple, just don't pick up, but that's all I have to share, thanks. Thanks, Brian. All right, folks, so we're going to wrap up the second step with this. We, we've talked there. Um, I think so. So somebody had mentioned the, the step working guide to be able to work step two out of that. And I think that's a pretty common approach. I've shared about how I have my guys write two paragraphs. The first paragraph is what does a sane life look like? And then the second paragraph is if there's a belief that a higher power can architect that life. Um, and then we discuss that. Would anybody like to jump in and just share about how they, work step two for the folks listening and then after after anyone shares what they want to then we'll move on phil attic hey phil uh, how i work step two um simplicity is still uh the key to narcotics anonymous and coming to believe in a power greater uh, than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, the simplicity for me would be a um, good orderly direction and, um, and something that's loving and caring and um, um, definitely the spiritual principles uh, in Narcotics Anonymous um, restore me to san sanity and uh, focusing on, on positive uh, members positive things uh positive people um um people who want to help me in my recovery definitely uh restores me to sanity that's all i got 
Thanks, Phil. Donna? Um, I think we, I, we do what my sponsees want to do most of the time. I mean, if they want to just work out of the basic text, that's fine. If they want to work out of the step working guide, that's fine. Um, that isn't that isn't how I got clean. And, um, and so that isn't always my most comfortable um, tool. Um, but first of all, it's just really like exploring the ideas, like, do you have any resistance to that, to the idea that there might be a power greater than yourself that can restore you to sanity? And, um, and you know, try to, again, like just getting, um, telling the truth about who we are and what we believe and what we think is going to help us. When, uh, when it talks in the book about the tendency to kind of just brush over this, I think is that it's like, oh, no, 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 I got God right here and he's in my back pocket, right? And so being God, we're good, right? And um, I don't think that that often takes a deep enough look at um, the desperation and the insanity that got us, you know, here and what it's going to take to get us and keep us clean. Um, so uh, um, I think those are the biggest things. Those are the kinds of things I'm looking for when I'm talking to somebody, especially somebody I don't know very well. And we're working the steps as I'm looking for those clues about what we need to focus on. Do we need to focus on the idea of uh, the insanity that brought us here? Do we need to focus on that you don't have God in your back pocket? Do we have need to focus on the idea of being more open-minded to lots of other different, that there are lots of different other things in the world besides what I might think. Um, and uh, yeah, I think those are the things that mostly come to mind for me. Thanks, Donna. Jump on in, Paul. Yeah, I um, I got clean with, uh, this is how old, uh, mimeograph sheets. They were purple. You could smell them um, for, um, with a list of questions. Um, a lot of that was, uh, a, you had a dictionary that was pre-Google. You had a dictionary that you carried around and you looked up a lot of words and got wrote definitions down. And um, I still have some of those sheets. They're, they've kind of uh, been enshrined on various websites, uh, you know, uh, websites associated with NA or, or, you know, rogue parts of NA, I guess. Um, but I, generally, I work the, the workbook now with, with new guys. If someone's gone through the workbook a number of times, then I, you know, I have two sets of sheets that went around the fellowship um, in, the, in the late 80s, early 90s, and sometimes they'll work those. Just like all step work, there's not a right or wrong. There's only one wrong way to work step work, and that's not to do it. If you're doing some kind of, if you're doing something, if you're writing paragraphs, if you're looking up definitions or you're working out of a workbook and you're talking with a sponsor about the spiritual principles of the steps, you can't go wrong. There's not a right or wrong way to do it. But like I said, avoiding it and trying to stay clean based on the fellowship only is, is passing up half of the, you know, that's going to a banquet and eating tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like take the whole thing, try everything on the, on the buffet, try it all. Um, so that's, that's my kind of take on it. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Paul. And folks tuning in, thank you for spending this hour with us. That's going to wrap up episode number 11. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so with. 
tune in next time as we'll pick up where we left off. We'll chunk these in hour-long sessions. Namaste and God bless.